Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. And now, here's Jerry Springer. Oh, oh, oh. When I, I get emotional when I hear that. Hey, what did you guys... Uh, thanks for coming. What do you, you guys think of Lachey's? I thought Lachey's was very cool. What did you think? Yeah, yeah it was great. So we, we, have to, we went downtown before we had dinner, before the show. And yeah, kind of in Cincinnati, about, in which is a Cincinnati. neighboring suburb of Ludlow. And yeah, and so Nick Lachey's yeah. neighboring suburb. Yeah. Um, Nick Lachey and his brother in this fantastic sports bar downtown. And so we went down for dinner. It was really, really good. Well, the reason we went... Uh, uh, Nick Lachey has this show on VH1, you know, um, the big morning buzz. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had been a guest on it l- last week. And so... And he's talking about Cincinnati. He and his brother Drew, uh, you know, and they were with what ninety eight degrees. Yes, they were. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, Megan does. Megan's kind yeah. of a stalker of yeah. those boys. A little bands. bit. Yeah. I, I just had the temperature wrong. I thought it was ninety seven <laughs> degrees, and they just made fun of me because it was ninety eight. But it was cooler where I'm from. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, so they and he told me about this restaurant. So then when I came here, we went and and you, yeah. So it was a very nice place. It's a sports bar. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But and here's once something again. That- we never, ever saw your wallet. Not even well, for a Jerry, second. Jerry, have you noticed over like 40 years of a friendship? Yes. Uh, and by the way, let's tell the truth here. We started at about the same economic level, about 1970, let's say. I was a young teacher at Cincinnati yes. Public yes. Schools. You were a young city council member. Yes. We probably both made about the same salary at that time. Yes. And then because the world's not and- fair... Uh, you went, you know, yeah. and your economic uh, status kept rising and rising, and I stayed pathetically where I've been. But I'm going to tell yeah. you something, and you yeah. probably have noticed this. Of all yeah. the years we've been hanging out. You've never paid for a meal. Well, that's not true. When we go into a really cheap-ass place, I'm then like, oh, I'm a big deal. Oh, I'll take that check. But yeah. if the, entra- on, the entree's over three ninety nine, I like So where is that? Where, yeah. Where How many they- restaurants can you go to at three ninety nine? Speedway. Yeah. That's well, it. Well, tonight, afterwards, we're... We're going to Skyline, and mm. I will. I swear to God, I will oh. pick up that check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I will pick up that check. But but we only get the three weighted. We don't get the cheese cone. Uh, you put limits on it. And no. water, water only. No soda. No no tea. Only water. I want to ask you something. Speaking of restaurants, and this is something, and it goes to. Uh, and my therapist has been working hard with me on my facial tics, and a lot of that she feels is due to fairness that I have lived a very unfair life. People have gotten ahead of me because life's just not fair. The thing is, and this you, is what I I'm, can honestly say, you have gotten everything you deserve. <laughs> Thank you. And actually, a little bit more, Jane. Let's um, be real honest. Why? Why is it that when you go, I have seen this, Megan, not five times, not 10, probably a hundred times at least. When you go into a restaurant and Lachey's was an example, 
when the meal was done, now the fact of the matter is you had paid for it. But do you remember, in fact, let's tell what happened. Drew Lachey, he won Dancing with the Stars, didn't he? Fine, rub it in. <laughs> right. So you I go could have won, I tripped. <laughs> yeah, okay, right, yeah. So, so you went over and you hung out, and Megan and I were just sitting there staring at our Coca-Colas where you were over there hobnobbing with celebrities. And so Drew Lachey texted Nick Lachey, who's in New York, we assume. Yeah. yeah. Nick Lachey says, I'll comp his meal. Yeah. Remember, it was out on the sidewalk, yeah. and the manager came so out. when we were walking out, out, they said, well, comp it. Well, yeah. I had already paid for it. Here's the question. Yeah. And this is not a joke. Yes. Why is it that the one percenters like yourself yes. who need no help yes. to pay a check at Lachey's yes. get comped time and time and time again? We get I, to be the 1% because we don't have to do the silly things like pay for food. Oh, there it is. That's all. There it is. And I, so That's I, how you, you save. You see, if you would do that. <laughs> learn to save, save from a millionaire. If you save. <laughs> yeah, it well, does seem unfair. And frankly... Um, I'm not bothered by it. It is. (laughs) Okay. And let me ask you something. Yeah, Um, yeah, I'll tell you what I am bothered by, though. But go ahead. Well, uh, there's been an ongoing conversation among politicos, and with the 2016 presidential elections coming up, it's going to ramp up even more. This conversation about minimum wage, and minimum wage has been part of the American economic structure for many years. And some say raise it, others say do not raise it because it will hurt the economic structure of America. What's your take on this? You've been a well, politician for, you know, yes. in a past life. So yeah. what's your well, take Well, first on? of all, it also relates, by the way, to the restaurants, uh, to the restaurant business, uh, the whole bit about minimum wage because a lot of the and, – and also fast food restaurants and places like that. I start off this way. It's a moral issue. We want people in America to work. That's the work ethic. We tell everybody, go out and get a job. And if someone's not working, we kind of, you know, sneer at them. You know, oh, boy, he's on the take. You know, he's on welfare or whatever it is. All these slams at people for being poor. And yet, how do we think it's conscionable that someone could actually show up and have a job and do the work well and, you know, not even make $10 an hour? And, you know, if you're going to say to people, you have to go out and get a job, then they should have a fair expectation that if they have a job and they're paid for the job, the job is going to at least pay enough that they can survive on, that they can survive on or their family can survive on. So in terms of the more, now I know there are going to be issues, but let's start out by saying the bottom line is we have to have a minimum wage that people can live on, which means it has to be raised. Now, if you want to have a political debate, should it first be raised to $12 and ultimately to 15 or how many years do you want to take till you get there? That's a political discussion, and I'm willing to have that debate. But we should not in America have a debate when more and more there's this great gap between the few that have and the great masses that don't. And the great masses, by the way, are becoming larger and larger not through any particular fault of their own, but times have changed. Technology has intervened. We aren't manufacturing things here in America anymore as we once used to. When jobs where you didn't need a lot of education for, when those jobs were in factories and uh, you know, producing things, those jobs, they had unions. And so a guy who was a factory worker, even if he didn't have a college education, you could make a good living because the unions were organized for those kind of jobs, for the factories, for automakers, et cetera, electrical workers, steel makers. But as 
those industries decline in America because we've moved into the era of technology, all of a sudden there aren't enough jobs where people that don't have a lot of education can have. And so that's why they all wind up in these service industries, working at a McDonald's, working at a fast food place. That's what's happening. Now, that's not any of the people of lower income's fault. It's not even the fault of wealthy. It's nobody's fault. Society has moved on. But the people who are not that well educated, all of a sudden, there's no one pushing because there are no unions for those people. There's no one pushing to see that they make a decent wage. So the argument has to be we have to raise the minimum wage. And if there are demonstrations for it and people have to stop complaining that the traffic is held up because people are marching for a $15 a wage, I mean, really, aren't we embarrassed to complain about that? You will find that the people that are opposed to raising the minimum wage very rarely are people that are living on the minimum wage themselves. Now, the arguments against the minimum wage, and what they will say is if you raise the minimum wage, the employer says, particularly of a smaller business, I'm not going to be able to hire as many people because if I have to pay each worker more, there's going to be less money to go around, etc. There will be some that fall into that category, but don't kid yourself. It's exaggerated. And the reason is nobody is hiring more people than they need right now. Very few businesses are saying, you know, we don't need more workers, but what the heck? bad economic times. Anyone who wants a job, come on down and we'll figure something out for you to do. No. Every business is hiring exactly the number of people they need. So if you raise the minimum wage, it's not as if they suddenly need less people. They're still going to need them. In some cases, they'll have to raise the price of their goods. It's going to get passed on to the society as a whole. But if you raise the minimum wage, the first dollar anybody ever makes, he or she has to spend it's not a luxury dollar. It's a survival dollar. So we're pouring more money into the economy, which raises the consumer level, and all of a sudden that helps. It will increase unemployment in certain areas. Then you know what? Then we'll have public works. That's right. We'll have public works. We don't care how someone has to make a living, whether it's the private dollar or the public dollar, preferably the private dollar. But if the private dollar doesn't employ enough people, then the public dollar has to. And what we're having is politicians that are trying to cut everything. On the one hand, they don't want to raise the minimum wage. And then you say, well, how about a public works program? Oh, we don't want people on the public till. No, we're not going to do that. Well, how about spending more money for education? How about raising our taxes for education so people can at least have the skills that they're going to need in the new job market? Oh, don't be talking about raising our taxes there. In other words, every policy we have seems to be to make it tougher and tougher for people at the bottom end of the economic scale to climb on. So the first thing, which even shouldn't even be a debate, this is the United States of America. Of course we should have a higher minimum wage. You can't live on what the minimum wage is today. And then we're shocked that people go out to try to sell drugs or they try and make money you know, in the black market or doing whatever they're doing. If someone has to eat, they're going to find a way to eat and we're not going to always like the way they do it. So it's a much better idea that let people make a living by the wage they get and make the wage at least decent. Do you believe, Jerry, that in 2016 that will be a plank of, and it's most likely going to be Hillary Clinton, we don't know that for sure, but 
if it's Hillary Clinton, do you think she'll campaign on that? And is that a winning position in a 2016 turnout, which is always different from off-year turnouts, more people turnout, more Democrats turnout? Is it a winning position? I think it'll be an issue. Uh, It won't be the issue, but it'll be an issue. But uh, look, I love politics, but it's so damn corrupt now. You know, everything gets watered down in a position. Well, you can't really be strong on that position because we're going to piss off some contributors or this, that, and the other. I do think it's an issue. Uh, I do think probably Republicans will be afraid to come out too strong against it because they see the shifting tide of the demographics in America and they look at the Electoral College and they see which states, you know, they need the votes. So I think it probably is a little bit of a winning issue. But I'm almost offended that it's a that it has to be that there ought to just be a base that all of us, regardless of our political persuasion, could say, yeah, of course, the guy ought to make a decent wage. I mean, really? And the argument is coming from I would be embarrassed for the living I make to say to someone, I don't think we should raise the minimum wage. I mean, really? How do you say that with a straight face? How do you explain to your kids? Your kids don't know much about politics yet. You're young kids. How do you, and they want to try to learn. And what's this about, Daddy? And, and what do you say to them? If he says, that doesn't seem fair. You know, I really believe that if, you would just rem- if we would all just remember what we learned in the first, second, and third grade and use that as our value system and use that in later life, We'd have a much more peaceful, friendly, compassionate world. But all of a sudden, all that fairness, all that decency gets thrown out of the window. We come up with excuses not to do the decent thing, and the decent thing is to raise the minimum wage. All right, well put. Hey, we have occasional visits from this old crank, baby boomer, probably smokes too much chronic, and uh, he's uh, with us tonight. Jerry, it's time once again for Morrison Hendricks. He's talking about his generation. He's wasted away again. He's the crybaby boomer, Morrison Hendricks. Hi, Jerry, and here I have another little piece of my mind. In the days of my youth, journalism used to mean something. And I don't mean the usual crap like Woodward and Bernstein. Watergate does not bother me. Watergate gave baby boomers our first scalp, Tricky Dick. And no, I'm not complaining about news bias in politics and the New York Times effect on man. My worries go much deeper than that, Jerry. What bothers me about the journalism practiced by you millennials is how predictable you've gotten. And here's what I mean. The Rolling Stones are somehow managing to go on tour again, and this could be maybe the last time. I don't know. I only know that every time the Stones tour, the news uses the same cliched Rolling Stones song lyrics in their stories. Stones offer fans satisfaction. It's only rock and roll, but fans like it. Sold out show means you can't always get what you want. This stupid technique is used most by, and you know who you are, you reporters who know least about the bands you're covering. Maybe this was slightly clever in 1971. It was not clever when the Stones toured America again in 75 and 78 and 81, 89, 94, 97, 99, 2002, 2005, and 2012. It's getting old. What a drag it is. You better stop. Look around. Things are different today. 
Please, will you stop trying to take me for that same old clown and have some courtesy, have some sympathy and some taste? No, I could not foresee this thing happening to you. That's my opinion. And if you don't like it, you can't say I never tried. I'm Morrison Hendricks, the crybaby boomer. You're sincerely wasting away. Back to you, Jerry. He sounds like he's a blast to hang out with. Morrison yeah. Hendricks, uh, let's turn our attention to some music. We always yes. feature some uh, Roots music, original songwriter and group. Tonight we have a group called Shiny and the Spoon. They are from Cincinnati, Ohio. Let me introduce them very quickly. We have Amber Neff, Jordan Neff, Pete Brown, and uh, Matt Fraser. And uh, they're going to do a tune, I think, from their new album, which is called Box of Bullets, correct? And uh, when you're done, we want to chat with you. So take it.
hey, tell us about that song. First of all, who wrote it? Well, we usually write our songs together. Okay. Um, she wrote most of the words. <laughs> you are correct, sir. In other yeah. words. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about that song. What, what inspired it? Well, it? It was actually about me feeling kind of uh, sheepish about being a little slow to propose. <laughs> and about how that might feel were you the, the other, the on other the other hand, side. Right. Nice. That's me. The other yeah. side. So, yeah, yes. so, yeah. so how did that feel, other side? Um, it and you felt, said what? I, I said, this might be a Jerry Springer show. <laughs> <laughs> Keep talking. I was hoping that would happen today. Really yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, we have a surprise for you. Come on out. <laughs> oh man. Uh, it felt, you know, it's it. It felt wonderful. I'm a very happily married wife now. Nice. And you make beautiful music. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> You'll never be on our show. <laughs> you're, you're from Cincinnati, correct? That's right. The roots music scene in Cincinnati is pretty rich, is it not? I mean, you guys are in it. You're part Very of much it. so. Yeah. yeah. Can we, for example, put their schedule as it's known on our website? We can. So people who it, like it, music say, absolutely. Oh, wow, you're in my area. And we'll, we'll link up on our website your website so even if the date is passed by the time this airs mm -hmm. that they can track you down because I tell you that is a cool sound that's different from yeah. anything we've heard so far yeah very cool would you mind taking us out on Irene Goodnight which is an old Hootie Ledbetter standard and uh, we're all going to join in and Jerry Springer might actually sing a verse of that song might actually testing one guarantee two it. testing one two one two this is definitely the best part of the show, is this yeah. music. <laughs> okay. And Amber just brought out a ukulele for this, I too. I did, yes. Oh. This is a ukulele. Yeah, it's very exciting. You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery, sponsored by the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Hope to see you all again real soon.
Any car brave enough to withstand a decade's worth of multi-state family voyages is worth treating to some quality parts and Napa know-how. Coolant for the Death Valley trip, wiper blades for the Pacific Northwest, air fresheners for the Southwest Chili Cook-Off. Yeah, with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your road warrior running longer, stronger, for many more vacations to come. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.